um hello everyone uh, good evening and welcome to uh the next episode of things we find interesting um joined by two new podcast guests today uh we've got angus and cookie with us good hey, evening how, how are we how are you guys um uh, super pumped for your first ever podcast experience buzzing ready to go and we're gonna um, we're gonna utilize all three of our um, exquisite and extensive career experiences to talk about that uh, <laughs> nice mug cookie. Talk about that uh, um, that subject of leadership. Oh, it kind of makes you cringe a little bit. Um, but what we're looking at today is leadership from perhaps a slightly fresh perspective, um, and we're going to talk about what we're going to term leadership hacks. Hacks, you know, makes you think of something potentially quite negative, hacky hack journalists, et cetera, et cetera. But no, what we're trying to think about is, is quick little practical tips on things that you can do to make yourself a better leadership today. They don't require a huge amount of personal development, don't require a huge amount of investment, but maybe they're little things that you could do um, to help out, um, help yourself out in your, in your place of work. So leadership hacks, what do we think, guys? Leadership hacks, are, are they hacky? Are they made up? Are they, are they a waste of your time? Uh, should you be concentrating on just developing yourself to be a good leader? Uh, I'd be keen to hear your initial thoughts when you hear that term, leadership hacks. So just jumping in, I think um, I think it's actually quite a good topic for a podcast because um, leadership shouldn't be sort of overly deliberate, overly sort of lots of effort and sort of senior people only. It should actually be something day-to-day, easy to implement, uh, little changes making a big difference overall. So I think, I think there's definitely some some fruit in here somewhere. Yeah, there's something about like leadership being the preserve of people at the end of their careers who've reached lofty ranks that just doesn't really sit well with me. Um, I kind of feel like most of the time it's you know the vast majority of people aren't going to be at that senior level of any organisation, aren't they? Going to be much lower down just statistically. Um, and, and actually, maybe there's something like when you're that senior, it becomes a bit easy to lead because everyone kind of, you know, everyone, everyone wants to listen to you because you've, you've got quite a high rank and position. Um, yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, practical stuff for the, the the more junior guy is maybe more useful to dis- discuss. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, um, yeah, if if we're always waiting for the, the oracle of the senior leader to instill leadership on us from the top top down, you'll be waiting quite a while so i think it's if if we can find some quick wins that the lower levels can can sort of be empowered with and sort of so you can do bottom up sort of um empowerment across across a organization i think that's only a good thing there's also there's so much uh you know leadership it's a real quagmire when you look at the reading and and uh you know stuff that exists already uh and it could be a minefield. It's, there's so much you need to learn, so much you need to know, and it could be quite overwhelming if you just want to uh, make some small tweaks to, to improve your leadership. Um, and to some people, I think leadership comes quite naturally, um, but that's like this sort of ethereal quality of, of leadership that, that is maybe like the sports leader or the military leader, but actually for the, the everyday leader doing you know, but an office-based job or something, then leading from the front doesn't necessarily, you know, being six foot eight and, and sort of rippling muscles doesn't necessarily sort of transition into the job you're doing. So, um, you know, maybe some, yeah, these could be brilliant, some quick little wins that um, maybe you haven't thought of before that just endear you to your staff or those around you that, that make them think, oh, yeah, do you know what? I'm going to follow this this guy. Yeah, because right, we can get trapped in that fantasy of the of the like perfect leader, um, and you know, arguably, if they even do exist, but let's say they do exist, they're a small percentage of people really that can could, in theory, you know, even achieve it. So it becomes like frustratingly kind of um, out of reach. Um, but I do, I do think it should be. I think we can make little baby steps. I mean, what do you guys think? Like early on in your career, when you were thinking about leader leadership, when you were maybe first going into leadership positions. Did you think of it in that kind of quite like little little tips and tricks way, or were you always trying to aspire towards like a way of being, a kind of like an end state of this this magical goal of the perfect leader? So uh, I I'd say I was a little bit arrogant at first with leadership. Uh, so 
so growing up, I played a lot of rugby, uh, and I, I just you know fell into that sort of rugby captain role. So I kind of felt like I was one of those people who, oh yeah, I'm just a natural leader. You know, I'm I'm, I'm a big guy. Like people listen to me, um, and and there's nothing I don't need to do anything to improve that. Uh, but when I got to the world of work, actually, that that works like five percent of the time. Um, there's you know five percent of scenarios that's useful. Uh, so for my first year, I sort of didn't really think I had to do anything. I just thought, yeah, you know, I'm a leader. Like, it's in, it's in my job hmm. role now. That's what I do. Um, and it's only with a little bit more maturity and a little bit of reflection, I look back and think, actually, there's, there's things I did well, but there's so many things I would tweak. Um, there's so many things I would go back and None of them are big, but they're just small little things I would refine. Um, and, yeah, maybe you could class those leadership hacks, like, you go back in time and make these small little tweaks and actually the, you, you improve the, the overall package. Mm. Yeah, same stuff. Yeah. Go on, Kiki, sorry. Uh, no, I was just going to say, you're talking about the whole sort of, the thing Angus was just talking about, how leadership or some aspects of leadership come naturally to some people, whether you're sort of, I don't know, the six foot eight rugby captain or the, I don't know, just particularly funny, particularly good at engaging people telling stories whatever it is um i think if if it comes naturally to people uh then maybe you get a little bit lazy and you don't necessarily think you need to refine anything you don't think about either the bigger picture or these little hacks you just kind of think yeah i'm i've got this but actually um yeah it's further down the line with a bit of reflection uh where you actually realise there's loads of ways you can improve, whether that's thinking about the bigger picture or whether that's just kind of day-to-day improvements. Yeah, it's like um, that, that little trap of like getting comfortable in it. And I was thinking when Angus was, was talking there about sort of starting off quite confident and then sort of realising, oh, no, no, actually, the, the, this, this needs refinement. Um, I, I feel like I was almost the other way around and sort of approached it in a very like, uh, you know, first leadership job, thinking constantly about how you're approaching things. But then after I'd done that first job, and, you know, obviously um, it wasn't perfect, but it had gone relatively well, I think I was like, oh, you know, nailed it now. I, I know how to lead. You know, tick, hmm. box ticked. Um, and it was actually probably a couple of years following that that I thought, okay, I, I've rested on my laurels and not really thought critically about this for a while. And for something that's quite, you know, clearly quite difficult because we see how many times it goes wrong, um, what an unhealthy way to look at it. I think you've achieved leadership completed. <laughs> yeah, achievement or yeah. not? I mean, what do you guys? Yeah, think? definitely, I, I, I definitely easy it, to fall into that trap. Uh, just feeling like you've you've nailed one leadership role, therefore it translates across all fields. Like if you don't understand your context, the newer challenges, the individuals you're now working with, maybe the team's bigger, and therefore actually you're the leader of multiple leaders rather than just a small team like you were originally then. Yeah. And, and I think that comes back to, yeah, self-reflection, not knowing yourself, knowing what your strengths and your weaknesses are. So you're not just relying on your strong suits and you're not just doing what you did before because it worked last time. Um, otherwise, yeah, you're not actually going to improve. You're just going to probably stagnate if anything. Yeah. I think, and, and like, you know, we could. I think we should do a next episode on like per, our, you know, do our own personality types and how that's affected our our approach. Because you're right, like knowing yourself, um, and there's all sorts of tests you can do out there that are really interesting. is massive. And arguably, as you get more senior, people are probably more critical. You know, they, they they've got less. Um, what's the word I want? You know, they've, they've got less tolerance for your failures as a leader as you get more senior. So, like, actually, yeah, you can't fucking rely on the stuff that worked at a young level. So what do you guys think? I'd love to hear some of your practical tips that maybe reflecting before this podcast, you've thought of some little quick wins that perhaps you could share with us and, and maybe the audience. Yeah, so I think you can never go wrong uh, with just knowing your individuals. And everyone's got their own different uh, ways of doing that. But, um, uh, you know, John Adair, sort of a you know, famous sort of academic on leadership, talks about class team and individual and as a leader you've got to be able to balance the needs of the three uh, and I think so many people can't do that because they don't know the needs of the individual uh, they might know the needs of the task um, as you know any good manager should do 
and they probably know the needs of the team who are sort of meeting that task. But if you don't know the individual, um, then you can't know their needs. So um, a good tip, I think, is just get to know what people's hobbies are, find out what makes them tick outside of work. Like, I think so many leaders or, or managers just, you know, talk about people's performance and what they're doing on their job, but actually maybe find out what they do at the weekend. You know, are they into long distance running? Are they, uh, you know, are they a podcaster? You know, do they like historic, do they like historical fiction? You know, just, just find out and then every now and again, ask them about it and it will endear them. It will endear your employees to you as the leader or manager. And then they're much more likely to open up about other stuff they might have going on outside of work and just allow you as, 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 as a leader to, to tailor your approach with that individual. So really quick, easy win, I think. Just find out what people do outside of work. I, think I totally agree with that. That was one of the points I did have down, uh, just knowing your team and particularly socially. Um, however, I just sort of stress the the pitfall is sort of superficially getting to know them or sort of being like, okay, yeah, I've got to know them, tick. Actually, I'd like it, it's perhaps a little bit faddish, but team building activities, exercises, getting getting out of your normal place of work, uh, I think is really, really important because yeah, you can you can superficially get to know people, but if they don't feel like you really know them, if you just ask a few sort of quick, easy questions like what football team do you support or whatever it is, then actually the individual probably won't feel particularly invested in. And it, yeah, it almost could be negative, but I'd, I totally agree. Like knowing your team um, from a social aspect um, and, and also like potentially 360 degree sort of reviews so that, you understand where they're coming from, what what they think of you as well. Um, because, yeah, once you start knowing each other, knowing each other's strengths and weaknesses, then you can actually start to overcome challenges in work as well. I think it's really interesting, Cookie, you made that point about um, not just making the like token effort to do it. And, and that's my big, I don't know, when I, when I hear the term leadership hacks, is my big thought is like, are these just throwaway things that people can clearly see that you're essentially like ticking a tick list and you and it's it's a bit contrived. Um, and, and I don't know about you guys. I've, I've certainly seen in a, in a recent boss, clearly he has been told, you know, ask people about themselves, but, the way, but, but then you see it's a, uh, you know, exactly as you said, Oh, uh, you know, Johnny, what, what football team do you support? Oh, I support, um, you know, Queens Park Rangers. And then he's immediately, he, he's, there's no response to that. He's just off on staring at somebody else or speaking to somebody else. And, and you're like, he's clearly gone through a process there. The, the fact that he's not responded. So I think you're right. Um, it, it's good to have these hacks, but uh, they've, they've got to be believable. So I think you you, you can't just view it as a, as, a, as a sort of checklist. You've got to really invest, invest a bit. Be prepared suppose, to have some time. I suppose it comes down to ultimately, you need to know yourself, don't you, what your own strengths and weaknesses are. And what you're like as a person. So I think the three of us, we're all, um, well, I think we've probably got differing lead, leadership styles. I think we're all quite chatty and would happily go up and, and, and have a conversation with someone, be them um, you know, a superior, someone who works for us, like whatever. Whereas some people, I think that's probably difficult. It's not something that comes naturally. So actually, yeah, if they were to adopt this tactic of going up and asking them, oh, what did you do at the weekend? And then someone answers and they struggle to have a follow-up question or a follow-up conversation. But yeah, you're right, it does come across as contrived. Uh, so I think if you're one of those people and you know that, then there's probably other things we can explore that you could do. But yeah, having these startup questions to start a conversation probably isn't uh, probably isn't the route to go down, is it? <laughs> so is this are we going to the, the realms of this maybe not being a leadership hack then if it actually requires this much effort, if we're going right back to you know, do we need to go right back to things that, that anyone can apply, um, uh, you know, at any stage? I know a classic one someone mentioned to me when chatting about this topic was the like classic one of like learn people's names, you know, even write them down in a notebook and try and use them as like, even if you've met them once, um, which, you know, is arguably quite contrived. You're, you're, you're thinking about it quite consciously as a thing to do. But it does seem to have a big effect, I think, if someone is like, oh, that guy's remembered my name when, when I wouldn't expect them to. I don't know what you guys think. I think I think it's still 
worthwhile if you if you learn even a little bit about them if you've if you've got a really massive team it's difficult to know everyone by their first name let alone know what are their hobbies what makes them tick etc um and you're obviously very reliant on your sort of sub team managers whatever uh, however you're divided up but um i think as long as it doesn't come across as completely superficial and you are genuinely interested you can't be expected to remember everything, but the more you remember and the more you invest in it, uh, maybe, maybe it's not a hack. Maybe it's, it's, it is a conscious effort, but uh, it, it's definitely worth doing. Why do you think people don't do it sometimes? Well, we said that some people find conversation awkward. I kind of feel like there's something also an effort. Like it's kind of a long-term investment and in effort, isn't it? Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to waste some of my working day here having a chat with someone you know, and if I'm very kind of task focused, I might feel like I'm not able to achieve some of the tasks I wanted to. And I and I think we'd all agree as we're, as we're hoping that we're going to get a long term investment from that person that will actually like pay off. Uh, I, I, don't I think know what you guys think that definitely being overly task focused is is a problem. And I think sometimes you have people wander into your office and they'll just blurt out a question related to work. They won't even stop and say hi, how are you? You good? Do you want a coffee? No, it's just like, tell me this thing. Tell me this, I don't know, outstanding bit of work, whatever. So I think um, definitely being task focused. Sometimes it's uh, just personality types or they might not click with the individual or even maybe they just don't know them and therefore don't know that they could click actually. And then finally, probably difficulty of working remotely is probably makes all of this a hundred times harder. Um, like if you are only sort of dialing into a call for a question, it's really difficult to force to get to know each other um, and contrive social occasions, etc. Yeah, it's really interesting, one, isn't it? Yeah, how do you do it in the in the in the environment when a lot of people these days are working work from home? I, you know, I know my my partner essentially works from home the whole time, and I sort of say, how how do you even know your team? She obviously mm. manages to make it work in in some sort of way, but it it must be challenging. What do we think? Any other leadership hacks that immediately came to mind when you heard this topic, guys? Um, aside from um, knowing your people and taking small little efforts to know them. So, so that was one of the first ones I came up with. But um, the the very first one was just acknowledging that you are a leader, uh, whether you've got it in your uh, job title or not. You might be an informal leader and. I don't know, your job might be, I don't know, consultant, analyst, whatever it is. Um, but everyone has an informal or a formalized leadership role. Uh, you're not a, or you might be a manager in job title, but actually you influence people and are influenced by others. So just acknowledging that uh, because, yeah, if if you don't, you're kind of losing the battle before you've begun and you're kind of you're only thinking about a small portion of the problem in my view you're thinking about managing resources and sort of maybe processes but you're not thinking really about influencing people to achieve the the goal you're trying to achieve so would you say people who you think are manifesting that then will tend to be less invested in the more kind of like slightly inspiring side of things and just essentially say to everyone i'm a, i'm a process monkey i just do my bits of the process Whereas actually, if they brought the human side into it, they'd be more effective. I suppose they're, they're identifying as a manager, potentially, and they're probably much more comfortable sitting behind their computer and sort of sticking to what they know and less so getting out there and particularly uh, implementing change rather than just continuing business as usual. Um, so I think acknowledging you are a leader and then also getting those around you and those in your team to acknowledge that too because you otherwise you've got sort of all that latent influence that you're just not using i think um it, it's 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 acknowledging you're a leader but it's also it's it's choosing to take that step like that mental step of of, of being a leader so you know some jobs might have a manager in title and the role is is that of a manager and you know, if we define management as being sort of more process-based, um, but there's always a leadership element attached that some people will acknowledge uh, and some people won't. 
And the better managers will be those that realize that they are a leader and take the conscious step to you know, lead by example, all, all that sort of good stuff. Um, whereas some people will just be a manager and will organize shift patterns and make sure the, uh, the, the company's running you know, efficiently, all that good management stuff. Um, but maybe don't understand what's going on bubbling up you know, below the surface with the staff, that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, if you're in a position which has manager in the title, maybe just acknowledging that actually oh, I am a leader in this role and, and start thinking about what else that might mean apart from managing. So no, I think I think it's fine. Um, uh, just obviously breaking the fourth wall. Um, yeah, okay. I think no, that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, it's getting cut. No, it's not. No, no, I'm not going to cut anything. Uh, I'm just wondering whether we're going into like quite a. Are we losing? The general, are we going into quite like a? We said we're going to talk about practical stuff, and it feels like we've we're going into leadershipy managementy. Yeah, yeah, we've gone way into that so, that wafty stuff that we said was the opposite of what we're talking about. Is that fair? Uh, no, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair enough. I've got I've got some other other bits and pieces if you want. Okay, I mean I won't cut it. It's okay. it's tricky because leadership is in itself wafty, isn't it? I mean, I, I can even acknowledge we could put it on there saying, say something like, oh, look how easy it is to go into the, I don't know, what do you think? Could even just leave this bit here <laughs> to show, show how we're battling with it. <laughs> That's it right, I'll, I'll write, I'll say something about it and then I'll, we'll, we'll, I'll cut it in some way to make it whatever sounds best. Um, yeah, yeah, cool, yeah. All right, here's a, let, let's face up to it, guys. We're, get, we're going into a great example here of us getting into the slightly um, waftier, more abstract kind of discussions about leadership versus management and the spirit and the nature of it. We've fallen into the trap that we all talked about that makes a lot of um, leadership guidance unhelpful. And, and I think there's a reason that people must talk about it so much. It must be easier to fall into these traps. But really mm. what we're looking at is, is practical little things that we can do um, that you know physically someone could do to you know in the next hour if we if we told them about it um i've, I've tried to write down a few i'd love to hear what you think um right i am a big fan of flow diagrams uh it sounds really really stupid uh, it's something that i think i've stumbled upon i don't think i ever saw someone writing about it i just started to realize this worked really well in terms of one of the roles of leaders i, I firmly think is kind of simplifying complexity not that your team can't necessarily deal with the complexity, but sometimes, you know, they're much more functionally based and you can give them, you know, a bit more of an overarching goal. I just love a good Johnny Age 5 draw, drawing. This thing equals this thing. These two things flow together and they all result in that. Drawn on a whiteboard. I thought even with, with teams who are much brighter than me and much more knowledgeable, the good old flow diagram is a fantastic way to discuss complex ideas as a team. So know what you think. I'm not surprised at all that you love flow diagrams because I know you you love I don't know blue sky thinking on a whiteboard, um, but actually I, to I totally agree. If you can simplify things and make your team focus really clearly on on what you're trying to achieve and just get rid of all the gump, especially if it's new to them, if it's completely alien, um, then I think that's really really valuable um, and. Almost always, I've seen it in a number of different roles and jobs. We love just writing words when actually a half-decent diagram is obviously worth a thousand of them. So, yeah, I'd, I'd totally agree. So simplifying complexity, definitely. Um, and then just... Lists are a bit more controversial, like giving someone a list of stuff to do. A lot of people feel like it's like cutting down their freedom. I've got a, I've got a, a thought that for young for junior people they love a good list because they, they're sometimes not sure what to do what do we think we um, hate or love them as, as a method of tasking i mean i i use lists a lot myself uh as in for my you know managing my own workload uh I, yeah i think it depends with who, who you're giving it to i think you're right 
with um, and a list doesn't mean that there can't be freedoms within what you're asking them to do you can ask them to do something in a list but you know depending on their experience you could then have subheadings like do this do this do this do this or if they're quite experienced it could just be achieve this and let them get on with it so yeah i, I, I think that's a good idea i totally agree if it's if you can give them a list but has actually achieved these outcomes rather than achieve task a and task b and task c and this is exactly how to do it if you can yeah dele- delegate as much as possible give them as much freedom left and right in terms of how they achieve it don't tell them how to achieve it actually the best way is kind of delegate a task in its entirety and then just allow them to come back for advice rather than micromanaging um yeah that come back for advice is, is a really danger in this well, like actually having a process because i feel the natural if i look back to myself as a younger leader uh I, I, you know i knew the delegate thing it got hammered home in sort of training um but i don't think i put in the bit of like the checks after the delegating and then sometimes you get a i mean sometimes you, you'd be surprised wouldn't you and you get a product you'd be like oh my god that's way better than i would have done or i, I expected um but probably more often you get something like oh, that wasn't quite what i was after uh, and, and although i think there's an element of risk with delegating i think there's things that you can put in place like um a great one i i saw being used recently and, and again it only it works in certain scenarios if you've got quite a complex task for someone is the old um i don't know what they call in the military back briefs but kind of essentially you give someone a complex task and you ask them to just just explain back to me what you think the task is um i mean it's a difficult one i think it can be perceived as maybe patronizing but can be really useful in gathering whether someone's got your crazy idea or not i don't know what you think I think that's a pretty sensible idea, especially once you've given them a bit of time to go away, reflect, work out how they're going to achieve it rather than uh, just asking you to asking them to repeat exactly what you just told them, probably less so. But um, yeah, I, I totally agree. If you can tell them what the task is or what the end, end product uh, that is required is, then um, if they can find a, an innovative innovative way of getting there then that's definitely a good thing i think also another another key one on that is um but maybe if there's some specific things that they can't do let them know but maybe it's budgetary constraints time constraints or whatever but try and give them as many freedoms as you can and then to set a clear deadline or if it's a joint task clear ownership and a clear deadline um so that you can then be hands off and allow them to innovate and come back to you with problems. Yeah, I love that thing of like explaining the constraints, like actually maybe they're more important. If you want to give someone freedoms, just say these are the things you can't do and sort of everything else is in game, is in play. Um, it's probably a, a, an interesting way of looking at it when you're actually briefing someone. Um, yeah, that's quite cool. Then. So related to the list, uh, one thing I think can be quite powerful is if you understand and then you ensure your staff understand is sort of racy charts. So responsible, accountable, uh, consulted and informed. Um, and if everyone in your organization knows for a given task, like who is the person responsible for delivering that task? Who is the person uh, res- ultimately accountable? Who needs to be consulted throughout uh, and brought in on the process? And who just needs to be informed about what's going on? Uh, in the background, uh, much like the lists, like the, the two in conjunction, just being that, uh, sorry, a bit of feedback there, um, just being that everything just goes swimmingly, everything gels together, um, people understand where they sit uh, within the task, uh, within the team, uh, works really well. Yeah, because people do hide, don't they, sometimes in that, like, um, perhaps your slightly less motivated team members I find will sometimes hide in the ambiguity of like, it's not quite sure who was in charge of that task. Mm. It'd be really frustrating and really unhelpful because you'll quickly, you know, you'll, when you discover that like that thing that you th- assumed was being done, no one was actually taking charge of. And I, yeah. I love that actually having a bit of a chart of, 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 of so it's clear to everybody. I think it's really quick when, if you don't understand racy yourself, it probably takes, 15 minutes to get to grips with it uh, and then once you understand it it probably takes 15 minutes to educate your staff um, 
So you could very quickly learn yourself, educate and implement within an hour uh, within your organization. So yeah, it's really good, really good hack, I reckon. I'd almost say that's a leadership hack. Um, <laughs> we, we employed something very similar where I used to work and essentially just having a, a project manager isn't good enough. Uh, again, this is basic sort of theory, but yeah, same as Racy, having a project sponsor. So rather than everyone having to come back to the oracle of the overall team leader saying like, okay, the person A is project manager, person B is the sponsor. So if you've got any problems, go to that person in the first instance. And then if there's any problems bigger than what they can deal with, they go to the actual leader because obviously time is valuable. So is that, to call that a leadership hack, is that, as the leader, is that delegating to, you know, giving out some of your tasks to someone else and making them sort of responsible for it, uh, to, for them to run? Is that how that would translate into normal business? Yeah, I suppose so. Um, yeah, de delegating responsibility and delegating accountability as well. Um, Essentially, providing a framework. I see. <laughs> yeah, but providing a, a framework for so that there's almost no excuses and and a clear sort of support network for that individual to um to go about the project. And I, and I suppose that's actually that's just good leadership anyway. That you shouldn't be the single point of failure. Like if mm. you allow yourself to be the only person who can be consulted about a project or or the only person who can make decisions, then actually everything stagnates until you've got five minutes of time. And actually you probably can't get a clear understanding within five minutes. So again, it's just delegating down um, so that you free up your time to sort of, um, yeah, provide overall top cover. How do you use deadlines as part of that? I, mean, I always think deadlines are something I've probably discovered how to use a bit better later on in my career. I think I thought they were a bit like a bit hard nosed earlier in my career and that it was all about maybe being a bit more sort of gentle and softly, but actually there I've discovered later on in my career <laughs> that they are necessary. Um, uh, but, but there's ways to, ways to use them in, in, in better ways than, than you might not naturally think. I don't know what you guys think about deadlines. I, I firstly think they are absolutely necessary. If you tell someone to do a task and don't tell them what the deadline is or why that deadline is important, then it will they'll come back with a 100% solution, but too late. So it's better to get a clear understanding at the beginning, this is the deadline and this is why. Uh, else, yeah, the task won't be achieved. Um, that's it, a little and, hack within a hack. Yeah, just, just explain why. Yeah, explain why is always always good. Um, and if and if you want to open up negotiation to that deadline, then if they understand why it's there, and you understand why they need more time, then hopefully you can compromise and they feel empowered in, in the process as well. All right, um, we're talking about self deadlines. Uh, how do you manage <laughs> yourself? We were just talking offline about how everything drags and how do you manage yourself as a leader? Cause you, you know, if you've got complex teams to lead and tasks to lead, you need to be able to manage your own time. Uh, I have a terrible memory, so I have to use calendar entries on my electronic devices. Otherwise I'll just forget and miss everything. Right. Yeah. I'm all about the calendar and all about my email inbox. And as soon as the task is done, um, it gets filed away but before it's done it's got a different coloured flag with a different reminder to pop up at me at some point and come back to me so yeah I think um, if you've got too many plates spinning you're always going to drop one unless you use some of these uh, sort of electronic little hacks. Um, How do you avoid getting stuck in your mailbox Cookie? You've got quite a busy mailbox how do you avoid just your whole day being answering emails when there's probably like long term work that isn't email based and that still needs to uh, so sometimes when I've been been away for a while you might be vaguely up to date with the emails or at least the the key ones you will have sort of triaged but if I've been away for a while and I've just come back or if a lot of my team have been away I will just 
go and talk to them. Just accept that, allow the emails to stack up and just wander around departments, offices, chat to people, um, find out what their concerns are. Yeah, because you get to the number of points much quicker from a conversation, can't you? Rather than reading like 20 emails going back between people. You just go and ask, Oi, Bob, what's going on with this thing? And he gives you like a quick executive summary. Exactly, and and you'll get to the crux of a problem much much more quickly and and understand people's sort of mental state, emotions, etc., which you just don't get through the written word. So, yeah, let, let the emails stack up and just go and have to have a face-to-face. I also think it's important to, um, so I started making a conscious effort for an hour or two a day to log out of Outlook and close the app down so it's not on my, on my laptop. And then you, know, you don't get notifications pinging up, you've got emails coming in. Uh, because it's very, very rare that like an email needs something uh, you know, actioning straight away. If it was that important, they'd probably, they'd probably call uh, so yeah, for an hour or so a day, I focus on the horizon scanning and thinking about the crocodiles that are not in the canoe yet, rather than just constantly doing what we normally do and then fighting the crocodile that's you know closest to the canoe all the time. Um, do you remember that? Yeah, guy we used to work for. He used to a uh, senior guy up in Yorkshire. He I think had a sort of mantra of like if it's he would actually log time in his diary to do task. I have got two hours to write this article or report or something like that in, in this time here. And essentially took the view of like, if it isn't logged in, uh, if there isn't time set aside for it, it's just not going to happen and stop like hoping for it to happen. So like ran his whole day on that. I, I don't know whether you think that's overkill or. Um, I've tried doing that a bit, but it's, it's really difficult to stick to those timings if you are in a people-facing role. Uh, like, while, while you don't, like we were saying earlier, you don't want to be the only person who can solve problems. Uh, if if you make yourself completely unavailable to those people around their working schedule, then then you're also kind of failing as well. So you can you can do it overkill, but it can be helpful or remove yourself from the location go and work from somewhere different for that hour or whatever you need um, as long as you're still accessible when you need to be cookie do you ever think you're too much of a people focused person and that actually to be uh and actually that actually there's times when 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 you can allow yourself to be overly fixed by by, by the human side of it and and, and the organization needs you to be because you're naturally quite you you know you like the human side of things or do you think there's always a place for it? Uh, I think it, it can be possible to care too much and your organisation doesn't actually care for you the same degree as you might care for your subordinates. Um, so, yeah, you've got to kind of stay a little bit um, kind of cool-headed. But, um, no, I think I think you absolutely need to invest in people and and then you will overcome things together. If you do, yeah, like we were saying earlier, know know each other, know strengths and weaknesses, etc. But um yeah, you can you can become uh, and it probably it probably feeds one's ego as well. If you are like the go to guy where everyone comes to you with your pro- with their problems and you're the guy who can fix them and un- unlock them, then then again, it, it, you're not really doing any sort of uh, succession planning or or empowering them. So, and and also, I think if you make yourself the uh, the sort of path of least resistance to getting a job done, you'll become the default. When actually, often if you not let things fail, but if you let people go and search for a solution, then they will probably find it by the time it needs to happen. Um, so. I think maybe to try and like condense this into a hack then, um, and you need yes, to understand. I guess, I guess this is what, what we need. You, you're yeah. the topic. Whether uh, I think you need to understand whether you are either a people person naturally or not, uh, and if you are naturally a people person, I think you need to block out a time in the day to actually shut yourself away and get on with work and get on with the stuff that's coming in on the horizon that, you know, people need direction on. If you're not a people person, you're probably doing that anyway. 
And actually, you need to do the opposite. You need to block out. You need to block out a, a, an hour a day to call people up, to go into the the, the break room, um, to go and you know see what the ground truth is. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of hard to like give that a pithy title to a hack, but it's blocking out an hour a day to either go and see people or to not see people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely need to not see people. It's the sort of hours before or after the rest of the team have arrived when I actually get the most work done or even working from home for a day a week. But yeah, some sometimes you lose other information or or, or availability by doing that. But mm. I'm just reviewing my notes, seeing if there's an interesting thing we can go into. Sure, I've, I've got, I've got one. Um, okay. Uh, I think it's a really, really easy one to implement, uh, and sometimes we forget how uh, how powerful this can be. And uh, it doesn't matter whether you've already made up your mind about what you're going to do or what the direction is that your team's going to take. Sometimes just asking people's opinion. And it, you know, it, doesn't, it doesn't take any effort to say, hey, Jimmy, what do you reckon about this? And even if you completely ignore what they're going to say, just them having had the opportunity to um, you know, express what they think, you know, it gets them engaged in the task, gets them thinking about it. Potentially, they might not have been thinking about it, but you know, it makes them think about it. It makes them feel like you're interested in what they have to say. Um, obviously, the gold-plated solution is to then show that you've taken what they have to say and sort of you know implement that in some way or or show that you're reacting to that but even just the asking what is your opinion i think is a really easy step that anyone can do that sort of you know gets buy-in from the rest of the team i guess as, i love as it as long as it's a hack as long as you don't aggressively yeah. mug them off afterwards <laughs> well and that's an interesting one you know where does it go from because as as uh angus has said you know that 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 ethereal leader that we've all talked about is uh he of course always he or she of course always includes that person's thoughts into the plan and but it, how achievable is that in every scenario? I mean, I, I think you could even refine that hack a little bit more. And maybe we're going too hacky here. This makes the discussion interesting. Is when somebody's saying these points, is you write them down. Even, again, oh. In that same scenario, you might not know, but you actually you get your little pen out, write a few notes, and you might know to yourself, oh, I'm just going to disregard those notes. But you are subtly using body language. <laughs> Cookie's too much of a people person for this. Uh, I'm too much of a cynic. You know, write something down and someone's like, oh, well, at least they've taken the time to, you know, um, kind of go through the motions. <laughs> or they think, you know, it, it gives off the, that you're you're paying attention. I think the same comes yeah. in, um, I'll, I'll do it certainly, I think sometimes if you're, uh, certainly with older people who I think are quite conscious of, of feeling that young people don't listen to them sometimes. It's, you know, a great one with your old elder relatives and stuff if they're giving you advice on something is write that down. And I think they, they like to see that. Cause again, you're showing that you're listening, even if you're like, mm -hmm. yeah, got it. I've heard this thing a hundred times before. Uh, I think you can demonstrate a lot by getting the old pen and notepad out. Is that too contrived? And I'm, I'm, I, I'm glad you said pen and notepad though. If you got your mobile phone out, then yeah, that's, you yeah. just bored and, and disengaged. So well, yeah, and you've got to be conscious. Um, of that, I think, you? yeah, I think, in terms of an immediate impression, you probably do get that. In terms of um, longer term dip in morale or output, if you don't ever follow up on these things you've written down, Cookie loves chasing the imperial long term will. leader. We're looking for these are We're looking for thing. quick wins. Well, no, I think if you, yeah, give it weeks or months people realize you're writing stuff down and then burning your notepad i, I think uh, your conclusion for this this podcast cookie is that quick wins do not work uh, are not a long-term solution cookie's uh, all about the I foundations think, <laughs> i think there's, yeah, there's we just want to build a shoddy house quickly come on <laughs> yeah, come on i think if you we've got time for this cookie let's get a move on if, if you want to quickly make a good impression i think this is we are definitely bark at the right tree and I think there's definitely some easy ways everyone could be better as a leader, as a manager. However... Give us your cheesiest one, Cookie. Give us one you used early in your career that you may be embarrassed about now. Uh, <laughs> had no longevity to it. and was just a quick, for, for show, that day. 
Uh, learn a few jokes. There you go. Uh, oh, that's a, that's a great a few, one. A few Always jokes, a few little icebreakers, especially self-deprecating ones. And then you will, even if it's a cheap laugh, even if it's a laugh at you, as long as you're not laughing at one of your team, as long as someone's laughed, that's the main thing. That's a win in my book. Right, go on. Give us a quick joke then. Everyone's got to have a joke. I'm, I'm all out. I'm a terrible, out. terrible leader. Oh, um, no. <laughs> no, I've got none that are safe for this forum, I think. Yeah, what, right. Why is it when someone asks you to tell a joke, you just think of like... The, the, the sickest, most non-PC joke that springs to mind and you're like, fuck, I can't, I can't tell that. Yeah, that's um, exactly where I'm at at the moment. Um, right, here we go, I'll give you a safe one. Uh, what's, a pirate's, <laughs> what's a pirate's favourite letter of the alphabet? R. Oh, you think it'd be R, but actually it's his love of the sea. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Uh, okay, right, we're going to finish up and we're going to go for, uh, for each person to give one leadership hack. Cookie, it can't be a long-term hack got to be a short-term <laughs> solution goose what do you think leave us with a hack uh one that we haven't discussed already yeah oh shit put me on the oh, spot put you on the spot uh, tell a joke while you think about it cookie come on let's let's have a hack uh so i think just this is something that one of my teams said to me, like just sitting down and talking about their objectives and aspirations is something that we often talk a good game about, but some of, some of my guys have been working for our organization for quite a while, have never had done like, yeah. Chatting about what, what they want, not just what you want from them. Okay, um, we'll give Angus a bit more time. Uh, I like it. Um, yeah, because some of that stuff get, get, get just does get talked about, doesn't it? But not actually implemented um, properly. All right, I'm going to go for mine, um, which is a... Oh, is it a hack or is it a trap that I fell into? Um, <laughs> Leadership traps. Yeah, I, I'm going to call it a hack. I'm going to throw it out there. Um, when you're brand new to a team, spend a week being a sponge just listening um and asking critical questions you know don't um don't try to have leadership effect in your first week in a team uh, i look back to my own experience and I, it's almost a bit cringeworthy probably myself and probably peers trying to be leaders from day dot i think take a, a working week to to listen and, and soak stuff up before you even start trying any kind of like little leadership techniques is that a hack or is that like a maybe that maybe I the speak. first hack is a week of no hacks yeah yeah there we go first <laughs> hack is a week of no hacks or then maybe you could do some of the note-taking ones i don't know <laughs> no all right I've, I've got a good one i've got a good one um so always make someone else the hero oh yeah yeah so um essentially even if you put all the work in uh, you know, always give praise to someone else on the team because ultimately your boss, everyone's got a boss. Um, your, your boss doesn't, you know, doesn't need to know like how good you are. They want to know how good your team is and it reflects on you as a leader if your team is performing well. So if you, you know, if your team has like a fantastic quarter, let's say, give the plaudits to the guys underneath you uh, and your boss will be like, ah, oh, you know, this is a good guy. He's a big up his team. I know really it's down to his leadership and his management, etc. Oh, yeah. etc. Et it. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. But but you know, um It's an alpha but, but, move, isn't it? It's an alpha move in, in the in the very like mature sense of, of an alpha. Like the opposite of all Angus, you're talking about the old rugby the rugby club leader. Yeah. This yeah, is yeah, like exactly. the evolved rugby club leader. This is like <laughs> this is like non toxic alpha. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. yeah, I think also just acknowledging hard work is actually worth its weight in gold and not just for that that immediate individual as well like if yeah, you can same, give someone thanks. someone who is actually rarer than you think sometimes isn't it with certain people saying thanks <laughs> or yeah. a short le like not even a full letter just a little headed note well done good job i think uh, to be honest that's a great one i wish we had talked about that because mm. 
I remember there was a uh, guy in a, a team, well, you know, the team that I used to work in when you guys were reasonably close. Um, guy coming towards the end of his career really sort of just didn't, wasn't wasn't enthused by his career. And he got a handwritten note by one of the bosses for uh, leading a little sports event. And oh my God, you should have seen the effect that had on the guy. He was like really, really touched for something that probably took that boss, you know, two minutes. To put two minutes. Out. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Formalized. Thanks. What an amazing tip. Okay, um, I think we had quite an interesting discussion today. First time on the podcast. Um, I'm hoping you guys enjoyed it enough that you want to come back because I think we've got some real potential to have some interesting topics. Next one, I think maybe on a bit of personality types and how that affects maybe leadership styles or how we work in the workplace. Um, you know, uh, I, I don't know where you all, where do you all predict already where you sit? Like, uh, where, where are your strengths and weaknesses going to be on personality types? Any early thoughts? So I did a personality quiz a while ago, and uh, I came out as C-3PO if I was a Star Wars character. <laughs> was that a BuzzFeed one, was it? Uh, yeah, it must have been, yeah. It was that or like a... Uh, what know, Star Wars character are you? It was, it was uh, what's the... Um, is it Higgs-Meyer or... Myers-Briggs. Uh, Myers-Briggs. Yeah. I'm getting between, confused between Higgs-Boson and one, but yeah, Higgs-Boson and Myers-Briggs. God, what an intellectual bunch of uh, blokes we are um <laughs> yeah i did one of those and then you put in your you know entp or whatever uh, wh- whatever you get and then it tells you what characters you are and i've got c3po so yeah i'd be more than happy to chat about that, that i guess i would have put you yeah. somewhere, i don't know like i mean you're a big guy maybe tuba <laughs> or something ah, so i was going for hand solo but okay, well. i'm definitely yeah, yoda small and wise <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> unable to construct sentences um, all right, guys, we'll, we'll call it to a, um, to a close there. Um, thanks for joining us on things we find interesting. Hopefully you're enjoying the podcast. If you are, give it a like, give it a share. Um, we'd like to see you on future, listening to the future episodes. Cheers.